Men create gods after their own image, not only with regard to their form, but with regard to their mode of life. Aristotle. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. And today we're going to be talking about something that really can build the richness of your story, and that's creating pantheons and religions. Having a pantheon will add depth to your characters without even recognizing specifically, hey, this character worships Saren Ray. It's evidence in the character and who they are, and it adds a strength and a conviction to whatever your character, good guys or bad guys. Probably the biggest reason to have a religion in your story is motivation. Mm-hmm. When you have a character that is deeply invested in a religion, or at least some kind of moral compass, then you have an opportunity to create some kind of internal struggle that will add a depth to your character and will make them feel real to the reader. One of my favorite motifs in my writing is being forced to do something that you don't want to do or your character being forced to do something they don't want to do. Sometimes that ends up with them having their freedom taken away. Sometimes it's a God telling them, this is how it's going down, because I said so. And it kind of goes back to some of the more classic types of stories. With a religion, with a pantheon, or at least a God, you can have that man versus God story. And you can have that man versus self. Because if you have somebody who is deeply religious, but has been forced to do things they don't like, then they are going to have that struggle with themselves and question whether or not they belong with their God. So let's break religion down really quick. Two basic types of religion that are out there is monotheism and polytheism. Monotheism is when you basically have a perfect creator. You have one God that has created all Christian religions, Judaism, Islam, most of your current modern major religions. One of the older, if you look back through history, one of the more popular types of religions was actually polytheism. They had gods much closer to humans instead of being a perfect all-knowing deity. They were basically immortal humans that we couldn't see that had selfish motivations, that had conflicts with each other. Had a lot of weaknesses and especially pettiness. Mm -hmm. If you look into like Roman and Greek gods, Zeus and Hera. Yes. (laughs) So when you have a polytheistic religion, you also have interactions between gods that will drive motivations. So if you have somebody that worships the water god because they're a fisherman, they may not always have the same motivation as somebody who worships the sun god because they're a farmer. Or if you have your character who worships two different gods, Athena and Apollo, because they're very similar in a lot of ways. And then Athena says, no, I need you to do this. And Apollo goes, "Uh -uh, I I want you to do this instead. There's a tug of war with your character at the center. Yeah, so it's not only an interaction between the gods themselves, but an interaction with the gods and your character and the human. 
Some of the most notable examples in history of polytheistic religions include, of course, the Greco-Roman religions, Mm -hmm. Egyptian beliefs and Mayan beliefs. Also, I think making a little bit of a comeback right now are the Nordic faiths because of mostly Marvel. We kind of understand who Thor is, who Odin is, who Loki is, even if we don't understand a lot of the other characters because we're being exposed to that as a purely fictional storytelling. And if you look kind of at the advancement of technology and civilization, you can see a shift from polytheism to monotheism. And even before that, there's a shift from a feminine primary deity to masculine when writing gets introduced into the culture. So obviously, if there isn't writing, it's really difficult for us to be able to look back and go, hey, this was a patriarchal society, and then this one had a matriarchal society. But a lot of evidence is supporting this theory that writing has actually killed the goddess as the main deity in a polytheistic religion. So if you're creating a pantheon, it's very useful to look at the pantheons of history to give you some sort of basis, to give you a direction for how to build yours. You can use the idea that writing killed the goddess if you are writing a story based in a more primitive culture and then understand that a lot of more advanced cultures like ours tend to go toward monotheistic rather than polytheistic. A quick note about atheism. There was atheism back then, too. There were these people all throughout history. It's not a new concept that maybe there isn't a God. Yeah, there have always been people who believe that whatever science they have at the time is the reigning thing or just that there is no higher being out there. So let's get into the pantheons themselves. Traditionally, a lot of your gods are reflected in nature they'll have some kind of natural representation for who they are. You see this a lot in the Greek and Roman pantheons. They have constellations or they have animal representations for them. You will also see historical figures deified in constellations. Perseus, Hercules, a lot of these characters that were larger-than-life heroes became constellations after they died because the gods loved them so much. One of the constellations I most remember is Orion. Mm -hmm. And in mythology, he's a giant huntsman who the gods placed among the stars. Another type of religion that is sort of a precursor to the polytheism would be animism. You see this mostly in your Native American cultures. No particular deities per se, just these special animals in the zodiac placed around that. So having a god associated with an animal is very popular because then the god can communicate to humans by inhabiting a wolf. And a lot of the time when you have a god, you'll have them in control of some kind of domain. And a lot of the time that ends up being something natural. So you'll have your gods of death, gods of the sun, your god of the water. And of course, when I say god, I also mean goddesses. So I am a farmer, I'm going to sacrifice to the god of cacao, and therefore that temple is flourishing, therefore that's going to be a stronger deity in our area, and that's how these characters, these deities, get more and more powerful is by the worship of their many followers. And just remember, the smaller the pantheon, the more things that they'll be in charge of. 
So you can end up with somebody who is in charge of death, the afterlife, and water. If water is considered to be a place where people go to die. Often water is a transitory. Not only people will be riding in boats from places to places, but the entrance into the dream world is often seen as traveling through water to get there. Uh, the river sticks. Sticks, yeah. All the, the, the rivers of the underworld. If you have magic in a story, you'll also have magic pantheons. Yes. They will be in charge of a certain domain of magic. You end up having the god of dreams, who is also in charge of illusion, who is also in charge of you know sleight of hand, and something ethereal and beautiful. In Pathfinder, that is Desna, and she is the goddess of the traveler, the wanderer, and the dream world. Speaking of Pathfinder... Pathfinder, D&D, Starfinder, any of those kinds of RPG games are a very fun resource to get ideas for building a pantheon because they have so many gods that you can pick and choose. Another thing you might want to consider when integrating a pantheon into your characters' lives is the possibility of demigods. The first place that comes to mind for me is Zeus and his myriad of children throughout history. And his inability to keep it in his pants. Yes. I was like, Hera's shown as this like petty person, but I, I kind of feel for her a little bit. The patience of that woman. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so having demigods or people chosen by the gods, not only as your main character, but to go against your main character, that the god of cold and winter is coming against your character and he has sent this special envoy with all of this extra power to hunt your character down, this is an interesting type of character to design. If you have a story where there is more than one culture in the whole thing, consider having more than one religion. Throughout history, if you have one culture conquer another, generally, even if they didn't initially believe in the other god, clearly the conqueror's god is more powerful. So as one culture conquers another, the pantheon will grow. So it's just interesting things to consider as you're building yours. What kind of counterculture might there be? Or what other cultures are there? What kind of religious beliefs do they have that you might be able to mention? Again, you do not have to explain your entire pantheon. You do not need an appendix to list out your pantheon. But if you know it as the author, it can inform your writing. We've said it multiple times as we've talked about designing your cultures. Less is more. Know it. Put it on a separate document. Trickle it in. Sprinkle it into your work. Give your work flavor. Give your fans something to think about after they finish the character's story. Maybe give them something to write a fan fiction about. But do not spend chapters upon chapters about how this god hated her brother and sent him to the underworld. And it's like, I don't, that's not the story I'm here to read. Don't drown them in it, please. So we've talked a lot about gods, but there is another side to that coin, which is one of my favorites, and that is monsters. And for Halloween, which is when our next episode airs, We'll be talking about monsters and horror and all things creepy. Yay. Until then, write selfishly. 
If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing.